Hey there, welcome to today's episode of Verity Vitamins. If I'm not mistaken, this may in fact be the last episode of the series that we've been in entitled The Fear Factor. And uh, I, I had some things I had on my heart today just for this final part of it. And talking about the difference between the fear of the Lord and the fear of man. And not even just the difference, but the contrast between the two of them. Identifying what is the fear of the Lord what is the fear of man, and how they oppose each other, and how to get free from the fear of man. And one of the things that will set you free from the fear of man is the fear of the Lord. But I feel like I've talked a lot about what the fear of man is, and I've talked a lot, I've emphasized a lot about the fear of man. But in this last podcast, I want to spend more time focusing, focusing, (laughs) focusing, wow, focusing in on the fear of God. And and something that had just come up in my heart about the fear of the Lord and what it is. You know, I used this example early on in the series, but you know how if you're holding somebody somebody else's baby, you just kind of have a reverence for that baby? Not because you're afraid of the baby, but because you realize that that baby is fragile (laughs) and you want to be gentle You want to be reverent when you're taking that baby, when you're holding that baby. There's a reverence there. There's an an awe. You're in awe of the fragile nature of a baby. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the fear of the Lord. You know, in a lot of ways, it's it's like a dove that you don't want to scare away, like a bird that you don't want to scare away. I'm not saying that God can be scared, but he can be grieved. God can't be scared away, but the Holy Spirit can be grieved into withdrawing himself. And some people, I think, don't think that's true. But if that's what you think, number one, you don't read the Bible, (laughs) or at least not those parts of the Bible. And number two, you don't know him well enough. Because the truth is, there are things that causes God to withdraw himself. Now, it doesn't mean he's not there and he's not with you but he's not manifested. Jesus said, if any man keeps my commandments, I will manifest myself to him. And you can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And so it's not about we have to be paranoid about just not saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing or God's going to stay away from us. But in order to get more of his manifested presence, it is connected to more reverence for him to more value for his things. Otherwise, God would be manifesting himself the same to everybody, and we know that's not the case. If somebody does not love God, does not respect God, does not believe in God, doesn't want anything to do with God, God's not going to force himself on them. He's not going to force his love on them, so he's not going to manifest himself to that person. There has to be love and reverence there in order for him to manifest himself, because he won't force himself on them. I mean, how many know you shouldn't force affection on anybody? (laughs) You know what I mean by that? And God will never do that. But then on the other hand, there's another element of the fear of the Lord, and that is more on the side of, oh, an awareness of the need to not disobey him. Or let me say it to you like this, the awareness of God in the place of authority. 
Um, what I think about is how we react when we see a police officer. There's that element of the fear of the Lord. Let's say you're driving down the road and maybe you're taking a little liberty <laughs> with the speed limit. And all of a sudden you see that, that car staked out by Taco Bell or whatever the case is. You, you see those, those lights on top of there. What do you do? You hit those brakes instinctively. You don't even think about it. Why? Because you became aware of somebody's presence. See, there's an instinct that comes along with the awareness of someone's presence. And you automatically change some things. You know, let, let me make it a little bit more relevant. I mean, that was pretty relevant, but let me make it even more relevant. You know, let's say you got a young guy who's trying to get fresh with a young girl and the car. And then he looks in the rearview mirror and all of a sudden he realizes her dad is sitting in the back seat. <laughs> well, listen, instinctively, he will alter his ways. It, it just instinctively, it's built in. He doesn't even have to try. What is that? That's an awareness of somebody's presence changing the way you behave. And that's an element of the fear of the Lord we need to talk about some. And what it is, it's an awareness of somebody's will. An awareness of somebody's will. And an awareness of the will of God has to do with the fear of God, the reverence for God. Let me read this to you in a 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1. It says, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you received from us, how you ought to walk and to please God. He's saying this is how you ought to walk and to please God. Watch this. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. So going back to our earlier podcast, he said, you know what commandment we gave you. This has to do with their conscience, what they know. And what's the next thing he says? For this is the will of God, your sanctification. God's will is that you be set apart from some things, that you be sanctified from some things. And an awareness of his will and an awareness of his presence affects what you are set apart from. And the very next thing he says is that you should abstain from sexual immorality. <laughs> now listen, do I need to pray about whether or not to abstain from sexual immorality? No, I can pray to help me abstain from sexual immorality, but I don't need to pray about whether or not. Why? Because I know this is the will of God for me. And this is one of the things he wants me set apart from. Any form of sexual immorality, any form of fornication, it is God's will. It pleases God for me to abstain from that, to be separated from that. And what would help me to be separated from that? An awareness of his will an awareness of his presence, an awareness that he's with me in the bedroom. <laughs> he's with me in, in whatever place I might be tempted with sexual immorality. And an awareness of his presence would help me to abstain, to be set apart from that. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying to you? He said that each one of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. You see, this has to do with not knowing God, not knowing his nature, not being aware of his will. 
that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. See, this is where the fear of the Lord comes in. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. So if I teach and I preach that it's the will of God to abstain from sexual immorality, and somebody says, I don't agree with that, I don't receive that, I reject that teaching, according to the Word of God, they're not rejecting me. They're rejecting him. <laughs> well, uh, look at this in Galatians 1.1. We'll move on from that. It says this, Paul, an apostle, uh, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. He said, I'm not an apostle through men or from men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. So again, we're still talking about the contrast between the fear of the Lord and the fear of men. Look at this in Colossians 1. Chapter one. We're going to read. A, read uh, blah, blah. We're going, going to read a lot of chapter one, verse ones here. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. In First Corinthians one, chapter one, it says Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. In Ephesians one, verse one, it says Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will. Of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Why is Paul writing this letter? Because of the will of God. Why is Paul an apostle? Because of the will of God. Why is Paul in ministry? Because he is aware of the will of God. Do you see that Paul has an acute awareness of the will of God for his life? That's why he does everything that he does, because he's aware of God's will. And he wrote in Colossians and prayed that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So, does God want us to know his will for our life? Absolutely, yes. 100%. And did you notice how many times this is said in the first verse of the book? Why is that significant? Well, one way I interpret that is that we should always seek the will of God first. Before anything else, we should find out, God, what is your will in this situation, in this thing? What is your will concerning this? That's what I need to be concerned about. That's what I need to be focused on. In Galatians 1 verse 10, it says, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? He said this, For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Over in uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, he talked about, as we have been approved by God, we don't seek to please men, but we seek to please God who tests our heart. And we've talked a lot about the conscience and the importance of the conscience in this. God's looking at our conscience. He's looking at our heart. That's why we're seeking to please him and be approved by him. He said, but if I yet pleased men or seek to please men, I'm not serving Christ. So if I'm always focused on pleasing and appeasing and being approved by men, 
That would make me the servant of men, not of Christ. Now, we are called to serve people as unto the Lord. But what this is, is we are identifying what headquarters is. We're identifying the top of the tier here. What, what is this for? What is the goal in submitting to and serving men? To do the will of the Father. That's what it all comes back to. It's an awareness of the will of God. That has to be our ultimate allegiance. That has to be our ultimate loyalty. And we can't have ultimate loyalty to any other will. Do you understand? That has to be our ultimate loyalty. Everything we do has to come out of that. In Colossians 4.12, it says, uh, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salutes you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Why is he praying and laboring fervently for these people? Because he wants them to stand perfectly and completely. In all the will of God. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, what would keep you in God's perfect will for your life? The fear of the Lord. Let me say it to you this way An awareness of God's will is what would help keep you in his will. <laughs> if I don't know what his will is, how can I stay in it? An awareness of the will of God helps keep me in the perfect will of God. But what else will help keep me in the will of God? The fear of the Lord. The reverence for his presence. An awareness of his presence and a reverence for that presence is what helps keep me in the middle of the road. <laughs> you know, if I'm swerving all over the road and all of a sudden I see a cop Somehow or another, I magically straighten up. <laughs> you know what I mean? The awareness of somebody's presence. What would get you out of God's will for your life? In many cases, the fear of man, the will of man. Now that includes your own flesh <laughs> and your own soul and the will of your flesh and the will of your soul. And so that is something that may and will absolutely, not just may, it will, try to get you out and to keep you from God's perfect will for your life. This is why we have to identify the difference between these things. In 1 Peter 4, verse 1, it says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. To the will of God. So there's some suffering that goes on. And notice that it said, I'm not going to live in the flesh to the lusts of men. Now that's not only talking about my own lust. That includes it. But it also refers to the lusts of other people. I mean, I don't want to be too blunt and relevant for you, but has there ever been any girls who gave into the lusts of men and that's why they gave up something precious and, you know, lost their innocence because of the lusts of men? See, this isn't just talking about somebody's own lust. It can be somebody else's desire, somebody else's will. We want to be aware of both of these things, not to be pulled away from God's path and God's will by these things. 
Um, in 1 Peter 4.19, oh, actually just down in verse 19 in the same chapter, it says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Now, here we see something that's important to understand. Is there suffering in God's will? Yes. But what is it that we suffer in God's will? Not sickness and disease, not the curse of the law. But there are two things specifically that the Bible mentions that we suffer in God's will. Number one is obedience. In Hebrews, it talks about how Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And the second thing that the Bible tells us we are called to suffer in God's will for us is persecution. That's what it says. Those are the two things that we are called to suffer in God's will, obedience and persecution. Look at this in Ephesians 6, verse 6. It says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Now, that has to do with learning obedience. <laughs> learning obedience. But I'm not doing it as a man pleaser. I'm doing it out of my heart for the sake of the will of God. Do you see that? In uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, I mentioned this earlier, but I'll go ahead and read it. It says, But as we have been approved by God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God which tries our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. Notice what he ends it with, though, in verse 5. God is witness. We talked about this in the last couple of podcasts. God is witness. He is our witness. The Bible says, if I receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. In the complete Jewish Bible, it says, God has tested us and found us fit to be entrusted with his good news. He's talking about being approved by God. Now, the, again, the two things that we're called to suffer in the will of God is obedience and persecution. So there is a suffering in learning to submit and obey in the will of God. And listen, there are certain places within God's will that we will not reach without obedience and submission, both to people, but ultimately to God. And even when we're submitting to people, it has to be as unto the Lord. It has to be because we know that's what God's calling us to do in the situation. And there are times that will be required, and yes, it will be suffering <laughs> to the flesh. But the second thing he talks about is persecution. This is a suffering that we have to deal with. Now, this is one of the most relevant forms of suffering to what we're talking about because we're talking about the fear of man versus the fear of God. Well, what is persecution a manifestation of? People coming against you, and what would be the biggest temptation from persecution, fearing man, fearing what man can do to me, fearing what man is threatening me with or coming against me with, the fear of man. And this is why there's suffering in the will of God. It's enduring the persecution of men without yielding to the fear of men. Oh, come on. Jesus said, don't fear those who kill the body and afterwards can do nothing to you, but fear God who after he has killed has the authority and the power to throw both body and soul in hell. That's the one you should reverence. That's the one you should fear. 
But a part of the suffering of persecution is enduring the persecution without yielding to the fear of man. <laughs> because if you yielded to the fear of man, you'd do whatever it was man was trying to get you to do to stop the persecution. If that was to renounce your faith, then you yielded to the fear of man to stop the persecution. If it was to compromise your conscience in something that you're not supporting or being a part of, and the pressure's coming against you to do it, but you refuse to yield to the fear of man, there's some suffering that's involved in that. There's some persecution, but the suffering has to do with not giving in to the fear of man, but rather fearing the Lord. The two things we're called to suffer according to the will of God is obedience and persecution. But what is it that helps us in the midst of these two things, knowing that we've been approved by God? Knowing that we have God's stamp of approval on us. This is the thing that helps sustain us through these fiery trials that come our way. And if I'm seeking the will of the Lord, if I'm aware of the will of the Lord, and if I'm aware of his approval or disapproval, that is going to determine my behavior. But specifically, I want to zero in on this. If I'm aware of his approval, it will help me to not give into or be led by the fear of man. Uh, the last verse I want to read to you in closing Ecclesiastes 12.13 said, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. I think that's a good verse to conclude this series with. That's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep His commandments. If you want a greater manifestation of the presence of God in your life, then it's going to come by you reverencing Him, you honoring him, and you always seeking to please him, not just people. And we're called to love people. We're called to be a good example to people, but we're called to please God. We're called to serve God. And even when we serve people, we do it as unto the Lord, not as men pleasers, but in the fear of the Lord, doing the will of God from our heart.